Hello and welcome to a Wednesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay, he's Chris Stanziel, and I totally apologize for not putting out an episode yesterday. I totally slept through my alarm. I was really up late finishing up that Big East Tournament primer. If no one has seen it yet, please check it out. It's on viewhoops.com. It's a very comprehensive, it's very long, it's probably my thesis on the Big East Conference and Big East Basketball, and I look forward to making that post every year. Also, this morning, Chris and I, we had a plan to record early today, but then as soon as I found out from my office that we weren't going to have work, that we were going to be closed down for Winter Storm Quinn, I told Chris, 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 we're going to have to sleep in a little bit here. At least I'm going to have to sleep in a little bit here. And thankfully, Chris is also off. And so here we are with a beautiful Wednesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I look outside my window, and I see nothing, and I hope it stays that way. Chris, how's the snow looking in New Jersey? Getting anything? Getting much? How's it looking? Well, as we record right now, it's coming down, but it's not sticking, and it's it's concerning me. But everywhere is closed, so it's basically like the storm happened, but it never did, but apparently it's supposed to pick up later. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, it's uh, it's good to have a nice little snow day, work from home, and uh, enjoy a day like this. And you got the biggest games today. Should be a good day. Yeah, I've been monitoring the Weather Channel very closely, and they still claim that it's apparently supposed to really be bad this afternoon, and we're, we're still supposed to get a foot of snow. But right now, nothing's sticking here in Westchester County, New York, or at least on my side. And I'm hoping that it stays that way because I'm trying to go down to the Big East Tournament today. I'm covering the opening round, and I just don't want a headache coming into the city. I don't want to get stranded. I'm just trying to, you know, figure things out. I'm hoping it's not going to be that bad, but I'm totally ready to go all Dennis Quaid day after tomorrow and trek into Madison Square Garden. I really applaud your dedication. I'm assuming they're not going to cancel it. It's on such a tight schedule anyway, and then you got Selection Sunday on the next day, and you don't want to push it back. And then I think the Knicks are playing that Sunday too, so like there's no time to reschedule. So they got to get these games in regardless of the weather. If you got to play in front of an empty arena, do that. I mean, that would suck, but... If you got to do it, do it. But, hey, if you get there, enjoy yourself. Enjoy the garden. And, uh, yeah, it, it should be a good week for you. Yeah, I'd imagine that the only way that this thing gets delayed is if Madison Square Garden doesn't have power. And I feel like that would take a lot for that to happen. How was the other Nor'easter this past weekend? I know snow wasn't really on the menu, but we did have that crazy sleet, a little bit of hail, a lot of wind. A lot of down trees. A lot of people lost power. Were you affected by it? Were you okay? No. Sakenbergen County really weren't hit that bad, I feel like. You know, obviously, you had a little bit of ice at night the, the day of. But other than that, it really wasn't anything. There was no issues with power by us. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, we escaped. But Sussex County in New Jersey got hit really, real hard. Like, I think they're still without power. And now they're going into this nor'easter without power. That, that sucks. That's rough. We did have a few down trees in my neighborhood. I know a couple blocks away, they lost power and everything. I think they just got it back yesterday, which is good. Just in time for these shenanigans about to occur today. Hopefully it's just a dud. Right now it's looking like a dud. I don't want to jinx it, so knock on wood there. But I was able to watch some of the biggies action at the end of the regular season as well as the women's basketball tournament over there in Chicago. Let's start off with that. Chris, we talked about how this Georgetown women's team was not going to make it easy. They were the sixth seed. 
They come in with an even 500 record. And on paper, they didn't look that impressive. But we know as Villanova fans, as people who watch this team closely, Harry Pareto squad, although they swept the Hoyas in both regular season meetings, it was not easy. The Hoyas came raging in the fourth quarter of both games to make a hard comeback, but they weren't able to complete it. This time around, the third time was the charm for the Hoyas, who upset the third-seeded Lady Cats 63-58. to The game was neck and neck for a while. I mean, Villanova got off to a hot start, took a commanding lead, and you thought that maybe this wasn't going to be a no contest. But then once Georgetown settled in, they made it a game. And even though they were trailing the whole time, they finally caught up to the Cats in the third quarter. Then it was neck and neck from there. With the game tied at 50, Georgetown gets a three-pointer to pull ahead. And then neither team was able to score a basket for four minutes. It was so tense because of the way it was just coming down to the wire. Clock was winding down. And then finally, with just over a minute left in the game, after a four-minute dry spell from both teams, Georgetown hits a basket to go up two possessions. And even though Villanova was able to answer and provide answers left and right, eventually they weren't able to. And the Hoyas were able to come out with a victory, with a W, and got a big contribution from Deanna White who was the Big East Women's Defensive Player of the Year and a first-team all-conference selection. She came up big down the stretch, supplying six of the Hoyas' last eight points in the last minute and a half. She finished with 20 points and nine rebounds. And even though she's usually the star, she really got a big contribution from Cynthia Petke, who Villanova just did not have an answer for. She had 24 points and 11 boards and was a cool 10 for 17 on the floor. Chris. Very disappointing way for Villanova to just go out in their first game of the Big East tournament in Chicago. What do you take away from this loss? Yeah, this is a pretty disappointing one. Last episode, we were talking about how, well, mainly me, I brought up the point of how it's really hard to beat a team three times in a year. And Coach Peretta said after the game that Georgetown is the type of team that you just, you can't beat three times in a year. Villanova beat this team twice by a combined two points. That is an awfully close margin. And when you beat a team that close twice, the third time usually they get you. and it sucks for Villanova because you really wanted to have a little bit of momentum going into the NCAA tournament. I think they still in, or they're still going to make it. I think all the bracketologies out there have them securely in, so that's not a problem. But at the same time, this leaves a bad taste in your mouth going into the tournament. I mean, obviously, you want to win. You want to see if you can get another crack at the ball. You could have had a shot last night at beating them and then playing for the Big East title. It sucks, but honestly, it should be okay for them because I want. I think they're more focused on the NCAA tournament. And I think they should be okay from there. But on the Villanova end, player-wise, Alex Lewin was the leading scorer. She dropped 13 points, grabbed 11 boards. Good for a double-double. However, from the field, she wasn't that efficient. 6-19 and 19 from the total, a whole of 9 from deep. And that was pretty much the killer. Villanova was just not hitting their shots. And, you know, this game ended at 63-58 Georgetown. It was a pretty close game. If Lewin was just able to hit a couple shots, or even Adriana Hahn, who was 2 of 6, Jana Tucker, 2 of 6 from beyond the arc, if they're able to nail some shots throughout the game, I, I think they probably run away with it. As a team, Villanova shot 5 of 24 from beyond the arc. Not a great day, and we've been saying it all year. If they're not going to hit their threes, they're not going to win a game. They're not going to win these type of games, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the squad is definitely shoot them up, sleep in the streets, just as much as a men's team. And we really saw that on Sunday night. Just nothing happening in the second half, and especially from beyond the arc. And it was very disappointing. 
it didn't seem like Villanova was able to adjust. And even though both teams for a while, it was a stalemate coming down the stretch when they weren't able to hit any of those threes, they just continued to shoot them up. And unfortunately, they were sleeping by the end of it. Right after Lewin, you had 12 points from Adriana Hahn and another 12 from Mary Gadeka coming off the bench. And for Georgetown's sake, we've seen Villanova, even though Deanna White goes off for at least 20 points, we've seen Villanova shut everyone else down. But we didn't see that on Sunday night, and we saw what, how costly that could be when Cynthia Petke is able to go off for a big double-double and basically be the leading lady when usually it's Deanna White. A tough loss for Villanova. Like you said, they're in, but you would have liked that one more victory and maybe a, a shot at DePaul, a team that you've beaten earlier in the season to really help solidify your status as an NCAA tournament team. And while Villanova's in, you really want momentum right now. They're looking at like an eight, nine seed. And at this point, I'm just hoping that they're able to get that NCAA tournament win, get that taste of victory in their mouth before possibly, or most likely getting bounced out by a top seed in their region. Yeah. At this point, you're just kind of hoping for that first round victory and then see what comes of it. I mean, if they're an eight, nine, you're probably going to go up against the UConn's, the, Notre Dame's, Louisville's, the Mississippi State's of women's college basketball. And yeah, you know, Villanova had a great win this year over Duke, but there's Duke and then there's the Yukons and the Notre Dame's and, all, and the like. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. And, you know, it sucks right now that the regular season and postseason, Biggie's postseason play is over for them. But we look forward to Selection Monday, which is a week or well, less than a week away now. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And the first time Villanova's in the tournament since I believe our freshman year 2013 yeah side note before getting into the rest of the other stuff did you happen to catch that UConn women's basketball score at halftime versus Cincinnati I think it was 43 to 5 yes. last night yeah yeah the Cincinnati didn't put up any points in the, the second quarter and the, the I think the run the total run was like 30 something to nothing that was crazy yeah so that just shows the difference in drop off between you know, the 8-9 seed versus the 1 seed, which could be a UConn, like you said, or any of those other high-caliber programs in women's basketball. It's looking like their first NCAA tournament appearance since our freshman year, which was in 2013. I believe they got bounced out of the first round in that, so hopefully they can get a win. It will be their first one in a while. We'll be keeping an eye out for the Cats on Selection Monday. I think the official name for it is the Selection Special. doesn't really quite have the same ring as Selection Sunday. But we'll be keeping an eye out for that, which is, like you said, less than a week away. I think the Lady Cats should be in, along with DePaul and Marquette. Maybe another team for the Beast getting in there, depending on what happens. But right now, it's looking like those three, and I'm totally rooting for the Cats, pulling for them to get into the big dance for the first time after just being in the WNIT year in and year out since that 2013 NCAA tournament appearance. So it would just definitely be big for the program and for this team that's worked hard at it, because it's been a fun ride to get here. Yes, it has. This season has been quite unexpectedly good. I wasn't expecting that much from this team. I was expecting kind of another WNIT appearance and, and whatnot. But like once they beat Duke, I think we kind of jumped on the bandwagon a little bit. We're like, oh, wow, this, this team's actually pretty good. And they started winning, winning, winning. And then they struggled a little bit in the middle of big, in the beginning of the Big East play, but then they were able to catch their uh, – catch some fire towards the end and we're able to build a, a pretty nice season and hopefully it ends with a uh, NCAA tournament berth and then a first round victory. And then we'll see what happens from there. 
So moving on from one Georgetown game to another, on Saturday, the men's team closed out the regular season against our beloved old-time, long-time rivals, the Georgetown Hoyas, and the Wildcats made it pretty much no contest, winning 97-73. to Chris, it just was just all Villanova throughout the game. Big games from Mikael Bridges, who had 24 points, six rebounds, was eight for 13 on the floor. Jalen Brunson goes out there, adds 16 points and seven assists. He also hit a couple three-pointers. That was good to see him be able to do that. Then you have Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench, supplying 15 points and five assists. And then looking also at some of the other starters, Eric Pascal and Omari Spellman with 13 points apiece. What stuck out to you in this game? Was it just pretty much another one of those, let's take care of business? I mean, we, we pretty much saw this coming and that this Georgetown team really wasn't something to be afraid of. This is a pretty young squad outside of their big men. And seeing how Georgetown was this season, coming and limping in just above 500, it wasn't going to be like those old Villanova-Georgetown showdowns of the past. Yeah, that's for sure. You, you knew this wasn't going to be a high-end rivalry game. You know, Georgetown's been miserable all year. It's been a real tough season for them. Rebuilding, Patrick Ewing, first-year coach, so, you know, the whole story by now. It was nice to put them out of their misery, almost. It kind of felt like in 15-16, Georgetown came to Wells Fargo against Villanova, last regular season game of the year, and Villanova blew them out and kind of had that same type of feel, even though I think this game was more uh, more distanced. But anyway, speaking about Villanova, Mikael Bridges, like you said, had a great game, 24 points. He's really starting to find his stroke again, and I think that's what kind of plagued him for that like rough stretch that this team had, especially with all those road games. It seemed like he wasn't getting a lot of good shots off, and a lot of the shots were short, and I was attributing it to the injury, but I think he's kind of found his stroke now. I think he's all healed up. I think he's been playing great. Jalen, it's very encouraging, like you said, that he's hitting some threes now, so that's always great. And then Dante, he had a great bounce-back game. Got to give it to him. He had an absolutely rough night against Seton Hall. We bashed him. A lot of people bashed him for that type of performance, especially in the overtime. But he put up a nice shooting line of 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep. Seems to always contribute when you just need an extra little boost of confidence. After a bad game, he usually seems to bounce back. And I, I think we can look forward to that in the Big East tournament. I think he'll get back on track. Bellman and Pascal, they both had... Decent offensive games, but defensively, it looked like they kind of struggled a little bit against Govan. I mean, Govan put up 30 points, 10 to 15 from the field, and then made all 10 of his free throws. But, you know, at the same time, I, I kind of felt like it was just, just kind of let Govan have his, and then everybody else was getting locked down. So it was really no big deal. And then Phil Booth struggling a little bit still, three of seven from the field, just seven points, turned the ball over three times, led the team in that department. Not exactly the best game from him. Let's go through the rest of the players. DCR and Gillespie, solid minutes off the bench. I thought they both had pretty good games, and they're continuing their great freshman years. So they're basically almost over. So I think we complained, or mainly I complained after the end of the scene hall, at the end of the scene hall game, I'm just like, oh, I just want a game where we actually just win with a complete blow, and hey, we got one to end the year. Pretty good. So with the one-sided win that Villanova got to enjoy to wrap up the regular season, I have one question to ask you. 0 to 100 for each player. Percent chance that that was the last time we saw Jalen Brunson and Mikael Bridges play in a home crowd environment. Oh man. You're going to put me on the spot like that. Uh, 
I'm really leaning toward a hundred and a hundred. <laughs> like I, I don't, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put. Eh, let's say eighty percent each. Eighty percent each. I, I think it's it's more than a given that they're probably going to leave, but I think the fan in me just kind of wants them to stay just a year more, just because. But if anyone's going to leave, I think it's Jalen, just because Quinterly's coming in. But then again, at the same time, Bridges is probably the most NBA ready prospect. I, I I think they're both gone, but I'll leave it at eighty, just because I want to leave the door open, just in case something does happen and they want to return. Wow, I have it as a ninety nine point nine percent for Jalen, mm-hmm. and at first. I would say for Bridges, I definitely had it's been the number has been rising as the season's been going along, but I would say right now it's probably at a solid seventy five eighty percent yeah, I would say so, okay, All right, fair enough, so it was a nice regular season win, a nice home game to finally put an end to that crazy road trip that Villanova was on in mid February was rough, but they got through it, and they got that big w to really bounce back after that rough game against Seton Hall. There was one thing that was prominent about this game. It was that Jay Wright now has 413 wins, and that ties him with Al Severance for the most wins as a Villanova head coach. One more, and he becomes basically, I guess you could say, the greatest of all time in Villanova coaches. Would you say that, or is there still more that needs to be done? In terms of Villanova coaches, I I think you gotta think he's there. <laughs> I, I mean, he's had he's had the two Final Fours and he's had the national championship. Raleigh had the one Final Four in the championship. Um, granted, Raleigh did have a lot of uh, Elite Eights and Sweet Sixteens, and Jay's had his Sweet Sixteens and Elite Eights. I would say Jay's probably there already, and this would just be uh, the official uh, milestone to really put him over the top. In terms of the greatest Villanova coach of all time, I'd say you could definitely make a pretty good case for him. I think it's just one of those things, though, where I I guess it's a nostalgia argument. Like, for example, MJ versus LeBron. You look at LeBron and what was he recently? Like the first player ever to breach the 30,000 point, 8,000 rebound, 8,000 assists mark. And the guy that's closest to him only hit like 25, 4, and 4. So even though Jay Wright has had all these crazy accomplishments, he has a national title under his belt couple Final Four runs, Elite Eights, Sweet Sixteens. I think there's someone out there that's just going to give me <laughs> flack for not paying attention to the history and maybe for like a nostalgist pick goes with Severance or Massimino. But can we rule out Lapis? Is Lapis out of the conversation? What, you, you mean to tell me that losing to Old Dominion isn't uh, an all-time great thing? Come on. Come on. Lapis was a great coach, if that's a, if that's your parameter. On the bright side, he did bring Kerry Kittles. That was his one contribution. That's true. He did bring along a great player, but um, many of the other coaches have brought along just as great players. So, so unfortunately, sorry, Steve. I don't think you're making the cut. Fine announcer on CBS, though, I think. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. But he's just not in the greatest coach, greatest Villanova coach of all time conversation. I think we can narrow it down to a solid three, and from there, you'll probably be biased as to which coach you spent the most time around as a fan. Yeah, I think that's what it goes to. Obviously, if you're around for the 85 championship, you're probably going with Massimino. Obviously, kids our age, <laughs> probably leaning towards Jay. Maybe not be so definitive on it, but probably leaning towards Jay. Yeah, you definitely can't discount the things they've done. 
for this university, this fine esteemed university, and the fact that we've had great continuity of head coaches, something to be very thankful for, because there are at least 300 universities that can't say the same. So Jay Wright's going for his 414th win, and that would make him the all-time winningest Villanova coach on the main line. He'll likely get it in the Big East tournament quarterfinals, whether it's Marquette or DePaul. But before we look into the tournament, we just had to take a quick detour, take a look at the polls, where Villanova's now number two. Were you surprised to see that they leapfrogged Xavier, who's at number three? And obviously, Virginia's still number one. But were you surprised to see them leapfrog Xavier? Slightly. I, we saw last week that they were pretty close in the polls uh, in terms of the points on the AP side of things. And I think the fact that just, I think the pollsters just like Villanova better. I think that's just what it comes down to. And I know Xavier clinched the Big East title over the weekend and whatnot. And they didn't look all that great against the Paul. The Paul almost did as a huge solid over the weekend. But I'm a little surprised because both teams won all their games this past week. So I wasn't, I, I didn't think there would be that much fluctuation. But I think the pollsters just like Villanova better. So. I think that's what it comes down to. Hopefully this is a good indicator of the fact that we might get a one seed. I know the pollsters have nothing to do with the selection process, but if it, if it's any indicator that country views as number two and maybe gives us some leeway in the Big East tournament in case we do, do drop a game in there and end up as a one seed, hopefully in the East. Certainly. I'm at the point, though, now where the polls don't really matter all that much anymore because... It's just tournament time, whether it's conference and then finally the big dance. So we're not going to really look at polls too much until maybe the end when the season's finally over. But it is nice to see Villanova ahead, leapfrogging not only Xavier, but also Michigan State. And yeah, I guess the pollsters docked the Musketeers a little bit for not looking that great against the Blue Demons. And I was watching that score very closely over the weekend. And when I saw that it was close and competitive, I was really hoping that DePaul would pull it off, but in my heart, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, if you're ever going to count on DePaul for something, that's uh, usually never works in your favor. So, unfortunate, but I mean, it was to be expected, like you said. While we were away, the Big East wrapped up the regular season by giving out some awards, some accolades. They announced their all Big East teams, and they gave out a few individual awards. The major ones, such as Coach of the Year, Player of the Year, that's going to be announced just before the Big East tournament tips off. We'll be keeping an eye on for that for sure because we have a couple of different ideas, but we – can we just say it's probably Jalen? Jalen Blue has a uh, a nice argument, but it's probably going to be Jalen, and it better be Jalen. So unless they cop out with the whole co-players of the year thing. So for the all-conference teams, we had three Wildcats honored. We had Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson. They were both named to the All-Big East first team. Jalen Brunson was one of three unanimous picks between him, Blewett, and Keelan Martin from Butler. Mikhail Bridges was not a unanimous selection. Were you surprised? A a little bit. A little bit for the non-unanimous selection for Bridges. But honestly, he's on the team. Who who really cares? (laughs) He's on it. It, We should be happy with it. We're the only team with two players on the first team. Yeah, I think we made out pretty well for the awards in its entirety so far. So uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't get too worked up over it. And then the third Wildcat to be honored was Amari Spellman, who made the all-freshman team. No surprise there. In fact, I think he might be a freshman of the year, but we'll find out. Yeah, Amari's had a uh, great year. Certainly deserves to be on that team. 
hopefully he does win freshman of the year. I, I think he showed, like you said, he showed improvement throughout the year. And, you know, he had his games where he'd take a step back, but then he'd have a game against Seton Hall or, or against any game against Angel Delgado where he'll take like three steps forward. So he, he's a great player on this team, great contributor. Love having him. It's great to finally see him play after the NCAA screwed him. He's come back with a vengeance. And hopefully he's able to continue this into the Big East tournament and into the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to quickly read off the all-conference teams. And at the end, I'm going to ask for your reaction. If anything surprised you, stunned you, did you feel anyone was snubbed? So for the all-Big East first team, we had Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Chamori Pons from St. John's, Marcus Foster from Creighton, Keelan Martin from Butler, and Trayvon Blewett from Xavier. In the second team, we had Kyrie Thomas from Creighton, Georgetown's Marcus Derrickson, Marquette's Marcus Howard, and two Seton Hall Pirates in Angel Delgado and Desi Rodriguez. Then, for honorable mention, there were only two, and it went to Andrew Rousey and Kyron Cartwright. Was there anything that surprised you? Anything that seemed off? Were you happy with the selections? What did you think about that? I mean, it's kind of all semantics at this point. I I, I felt that Delgado on the second team is kind of a kind of like the biggest deal of the whole thing i thought he could have should have been first team i think but at the same time you look at that first team and you're like who do, who do, exactly do you take off maybe maybe pons but like he, he was so good at the end of the year i don't know how you how you rob him of that but at the same time i don't know i, I it would have been nice to have him on that first team because now you know he's going to go on his revenge tour like you've mentioned to me several times and we are now both terrified of what Angel Delgado is going to do in the Big East tournament because of this. You, you said Marcus Howard's on the second team, right? Correct. Yeah, that's fine. I, for some reason, I thought he wasn't on there. I was going to be like, why is Marcus Howard nowhere to be found? Jesse Govan, not getting any, not getting an honorable mention. That was a bit of a stunner, but I mean, does it really matter? I mean, I know Derrickson had a good year for Georgetown, but I thought Govan was, was a little bit better for Georgetown than the games that I've watched, and especially against Nova. And I know Derrickson didn't play, but I think Govan deserves some form of recognition. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I thought everything else was kind of fine as is. And then apart from the all-conference teams, we got a few individual awards. Dante DiVincenzo, the unofficial sixth starter, won sixth man of the year. Absolutely no surprise. I don't even think there's anyone who comes close to winning that award. But then looking at a few of the other accolades, you had Kyrie Thomas take home the Defensive Player of the Year award. Miles Powell from Seton Hall won the conference's most improved player. And the Big East Sportsmanship Award went to Tyler Weidman of Butler. I don't know what the Sportsmanship Award entails. I don't know what that means or how you become eligible for it. But congrats to Tyler Weidman. But as for the other three awards, what did you think about those? I mean, I'm sure you weren't surprised about DiVincenzo winning sixth man of the year. I almost said sixth star, but sixth man of the year. Yeah, no shock there at all. I, you don't even—I don't even know of any other six men for any of the other teams. Really, I don't know if any teams really utilize one the way Villanova utilizes Dante. Uh, we were actually going back and forth. It was funny though. We kind of thought Dante would be ineligible because he had started so many games, and we were like, "Who the heck are they going to give it to at that point?" But obviously, Dante got it. No surprise there at all. Powell is the most improved. That's no shock to me whatsoever. I thought. He was going to be good, really good last year as a freshman, and he didn't. He did an all right job, but he wasn't able to really fully blossom. And now this year, he really seemed to take off, and that was no shock to me. And then Kyrie Thomas is defensive player of the year. I saw a lot of people getting 
upset about that. A lot of people wanted Bridges there. And, you know, I get it 100%. Like, Bridges is a great defender. But I don't know. I feel that, I, I don't know. I feel like a, a lot of the coaches in the Big East like Thomas more. I feel like they view him as more of a uh, defender, more more of a defensive type guy. And I think they would give, and kind of, they, they figure Bridges is going to get a lot of the offensive accolades and first team accolades. So why not just kind of give this to Thomas as a just you know just to keep him happy type ordeal? In my opinion, this is probably a makeup for last year in which the coaches did the most egregious thing by having a three-way sharing of the defensive player of the year award. I can understand two co-players of the year or co-defensive player of the years, but then when you had three different guys taken home, that's a little ridiculous. Like you mean you could you couldn't narrow it down? between Mikael Bridges, Kyrie Thomas, and Josh Hart last season. Those are probably a little bit of a makeup call. I would have at least I'd like to see them share it between Bridges and Thomas. But at the end of the day, I think Mikael Bridges knows he's a great defender. First team All-Big East. He's not here for the individual accolades. We're Villanova Wildcats. We're here for the deep runs in March. We're trying to get past round of 32. We're trying to cut the nets at the end of the year. Again, take home a Big East tournament title. Individual awards, they're nice, but at the end of the day, we'll take the big ones, the big team accomplishments. Now that we've discussed everything that we've needed to, it is now that time of day where we preview the Big East tournament and all the fun that's going to come out of this week. Hopefully, that fun includes cutting down the nets for the third time in four years, another Big East tournament championship, a likely number one seed I feel like that would just totally lock us in. There are no doubt, no questions for a one seed in the big dance. But looking at this tournament, Villanova's coming in as a two seed for the first time ever since conference realignment. And if you look at this bracket, I feel like we, we have a really tough half. I don't know if it's just me, but I look at Xavier's side, and I'd rather have their situation. What say you? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I think I have to disagree because Xavier's going to get most likely St. John's. I mean, Georgetown could could beat him. It's basketball, but if St. John's plays Xavier, uh, that's no slash. The way St. John's has been playing and the fact that it's MSG, we have the potential to play Marquette or DePaul. I mean, I'd rather have obviously face DePaul, but I don't think DePaul's going to win. And I, I think we match up well against Marquette. I think we so we're fine. And then if you're looking forward to the semifinals, Seton Hall or Butler. Yeah, we lost to Butler already once this year, but I think if we get them again, I think we should take care of business. And Seton Hall, honestly, I, I want to play Seton Hall again. It, it's always a good game. I always like playing them. I mean, it's, it's always it's a great rivalry going on right now, and I, I am definitely afraid of them because of the whole Delgado getting snubbed type ordeal and the fact that Seton Hall always gives Villanova problems in the Big East tournament. So that's a little scary. But I, honestly, I, I think Xavier's side's a little tougher. Also, if you're looking forward to the semifinals for Xavier, Creighton Providence lost to both of those teams, with Creighton being the most recent, obviously. Didn't look too hot in those two games on the road. Well, with the Cole Creighton Providence matchup in the semifinals, those are two teams that don't exactly play all that well outside of their home arenas. Like, yeah, they're great teams. Yeah, they're solid. But as soon as they leave the Dunkin' Donuts Center or as soon as they leave CenturyLink, it's a completely different squad we're looking at. And now it's at a neutral court and they don't have the comfort of their home arena. I'd rather take them over another heart stopper, blood pressure rising through the roof 
against Seton Hall because it's probably going to be Seton Hall with the way that they took care of business against Butler. But I don't know. I'd rather have Xavier's half. Yes, that St. John's game in the quarterfinals is a little scary, but I'd rather have their side of the bracket over ours. But that's neither here or there. This is the path that the Big East basketball gods have given us. So there is nothing we can do about that now other than to put up or shut up. So going into this tournament, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to hopefully, hopefully, finally, just for once, can we finally get a one versus two seed in the Big East Championship? That's what I'm looking forward to. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be very disappointed. I think Villanova, Xavier, round three, and you know, yeah, it wouldn't be the rubber match exactly, but man, that would be fun to on Fox Big East Championship potential one seed on the line. If uh, Duke and Kansas win their conference tournaments, potentially they might have the one seeds locked up by then, and Villanova Xavier might be for that last one seed. That that would be a great great game and a rematch of the 2015 Big East final. And uh, yeah, that, but as a Big East standpoint, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to those quarterfinal games between the two games already determined. Creighton, Providence, and Seton Butler. I, I I love watching. Like all those teams play, I, I think Creighton Providence is always a great matchup, and I think Seton Hall Butler is a, a great matchup. I thought that game over the weekend was a pretty fun one on uh, Seton Hall Senior Night. So I'm looking forward to those games. Uh, if I were just to sit down and watch them, and then hopefully we can finally get that one-two championship, that would be uh, that would be really big for the conference. I think. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. No matter how good the top two teams in the conference are. We've never had the one versus two seed in the conference championship game. We've never had them on a crash course where they finally face off against each other. Something always happens along the way that disrupts that from happening. Do you actually think that this is the year where we finally get that one versus two, or do you think someone crashes the party? Man, I I, I think this has got this has got to be it. If there's, there's if there is a year for it to happen, it's this one. In- I know Xavier's kind of been lucky throughout the year, according to Ken Palm. Like they're probably like one of the luckiest teams in the nation, if not the luckiest. Last time I checked, second luckiest team in the nation right now. Second luckiest team in the nation right now. So it's possible that they could have a they could drop a game. It's very possible, but so could Villanova if they get Seton Hall. But I mean, it's it's gotta it's gotta happen. I think the Big East, all the higher ups in the Big East, will be rooting for it. How awesome would it be to just say, "Hey, you got the second and the third best team in the country, according to the AP, playing each other for a potential one seed, Big East tournament, New York, Madison Square Garden, all those things." That would be great, and it's got to happen. Maybe Villanova gets a break and plays Butler in the semifinals, and plays DePaul in the quarterfinals, and Xavier gets Georgetown, and then they get a, a tired-out Providence team because Creighton and Providence went double overtime, and both teams are able to. Kind of cakewalk to the championship. That would be great. As we'll get into a little bit later, I don't think we're going to get the one versus two. And I'll tell you why in just a bit. But I'm looking forward to some of these potential rematches of last season's Big East tournament games that we might have. Like right off the bat, we have St. John's versus Georgetown. That was a one-point game last year. There was that brawl on the sidelines going on. And it'll be a fun way to open up the Big East tournament on Wednesday night. And then looking in the semifinals, you might get Xavier versus Creighton. And that was a shootout to the very end last season with Creighton coming out on top. Xavier's got revenge on its mind if they meet up again in the semifinals. 
that would be a good one. And yeah, Villanova Seton Hall, it's always a good time whenever they play against each other. Maybe not for your heart, but it's always a good time. It's always a great game. Last season, we saw what happened. Josh Hart coming up big at the very end and Angel Delgado in tears just because of how badly they want to beat each other. And it's always a rumble in the garden when those two face off against each other. Haymakers, left and right, that'll be a good one. So I'm looking forward to the rematches. I think we can see some really epic games potentially, but we'll have to see because it'll depend on certain things happening in order for us to get these games to happen again. There always seems to be a rematch storyline every every biggest tournament. But one storyline that like we kind of just both overlooked, Butler still has yet to win a Big East tournament game since since they joined the Big East. They, they, I think they could do it this year. I think they're very capable of beating Seton Hall. It would be very interesting to see if they could finally just get that one under their belt. That is true. I almost forgot about that. I remember that being a very big deal last season because everyone, it seemed like that would have been the year, but then Xavier had other ideas. Yeah, that's when Xavier got randomly hot when they were struggling against like the Paul of all teams. I think they ended up losing. Did they end up losing to the Paul last year at some point? I think they did. Or I, I, actually, I don't remember. But the point is, Xavier was struggling at the end of the year, and then Butler was the two seed in the biggest tournament somehow. And they were like, "Oh, okay, they'll they'll crush Xavier and probably see them in the championship." And no, they 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 couldn't win. They just haven't yet to win. I don't know what it is. It's just bad luck. Give me your Big East tournament final four. Who's gonna be in it? Make a case for why each of those four teams can win. And then who do you have winning it all in the finals? On the top half of the bracket, I got Xavier versus Providence. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Providence. I think Xavier is going to take care of business against that 8-9 matchup. Yes, St. John's is a scary potential scary matchup, but I think they'll be okay with that. They're an obviously a great team. Big East regular season winners. Yes, I know they're they're pretty lucky, but at the same time, they do have Trayvon Bullitt. I think he's going to carry them in this tournament, just kind of how he almost carried them to the finals last year and how he basically carried them to the Elite Eight last year. I think Xavier will be in the semifinals because of him. Going with Providence, I really want to say Creighton, but I just have a feeling that Kyron Cartwright is just going to have a field day against Creighton, and I know Foster is going to do everything in his power to prevent Creighton. I'm losing this four or five matchup. I like Providence. I like Diallo. I'm a big fan of them. I really I, I hate how they play because it's so boring, but I think it's effective. I think it's very effective. And I think they'll be able to squeak one out against Creighton. And then on the bottom half, going Villanova. I think Marquette takes care of the Paul. Even though Marquette has struggled against the Paul in the Wodra era, I think they're five and three against the Paul. So that's not exactly the best record. So but I think they'll take care of business on Wednesday. Lose to Villanova. What else can we say about Villanova? I think they should just handle Marquette. And if they have any trouble against Marquette, I'm very concerned about whoever they face in the semifinals. And then in the semifinals, I'm going with Butler in this one. I think Butler gets the revenge against Seton Hall. I think Butler kind of had a lot of going against them with it being on the road against Seton Hall, Seton Hall having senior night and whatnot. They played Seton Hall twice, lost both times actually. But over the weekend, I thought they had a lot going against them. They had senior night at the at Seton Hall. So you had the road game plus an emotional night for Pirates and all their seniors. And yes, I was advocating for the Delgado revenge tour, but I think Kamar Baldwin and Keelan Martin, I think are going to be too much for Seton Hall to handle. And again, it's my rule of three. I'm a very big proponent of that. I think 
I think when the teams are so close talent-wise, I think the third time around, the team that has lost twice gets them the third time. So I'm going with Butler in that one. And then in the finals, I think this is the year we get it, Eugene. I think we finally get it. I think we will have Xavier versus Villanova in the finals. I think Xavier will take care of Providence. Yes, Providence beat Xavier at home, but this time it's at a neutral court, and I think that blew it against against Cartwright be a great matchup but I think Xavier just has a little bit more and then Villanova versus Butler I think Villanova gets the revenge for the uh, Paulie Jorgensen three parade at Hinkle and we will finally see a one-two matchup and do you want me to pick a winner in that one of course okay well after all my negativity against Seton Hall and how negative I've been all year and how I've bashed this team for some Really bad performances over the past few weeks. I still think, for whatever reason, I am so gung-ho on it. I am so convinced that Villanova is going to win the Big East tournament. And now because I said that, I I mushed them. And you might be going, Chris, well, Villanova already beat Xavier twice, and this is the third time they're playing each other. So Xavier is going to win, obviously, right? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going against my own rule for once because I like Villanova in this matchup. I feel that Villanova against Xavier is just – an absolute nightmare for Xavier. It's kind of like how Xavier Creighton, uh, Xavier Creighton, Villanova Creighton was during the Doug McDermott year. Villanova could have played Creighton 10 times that year, and I don't know if Villanova would have won once. The way Villanova plays Xavier, it's just a mismatch personnel-wise and the style-wise. It's just, it's, just, it's just not fair. Give it to Villanova. Villanova wins the Big East on Saturday in the first one versus two matchup in the new Big East. Very interesting. I'm going to tell you my final four, and I have a few hot takes, and I feel very bold putting it on paper. Usually I feel a little reserved, but this year, you know, after seeing what happened in the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament, I had a few thoughts that I thought were maybe a little too crazy that I dialed them back, but I think I just have to go gung-ho in this one and just go with my gut instinct and what I think will happen because I might regret it. You know, everyone can be safe. You can always play it safe. There's always time to play it safe. But this time around, I think I have a few hot takes that I have either, one, fully bought into, or two, I'm just that crazy that I believe it can happen. My Big East Tournament Final Four, Villanova, Seton Hall on one half. And then in the other half, you have Creighton versus St. John's. I am going there. St. John's over Xavier. You're nuts. You're nuts. <laughs> Look, I can see it. I I can't fault you on that. I can definitely see it, but that's that's taken a lot there. That's I taken will a lot say, to go with that. In making this decision, a lot of it depends on the health of Shamori Pons. If he's healthy, I say that the Red Storm do finally beat Xavier. And it's not that I don't think it's that crazy. Xavier is lucky to have faced the Red Storm before they got hot in February. And even though St. John's have lost both meetings against the Musketeers, both times they were right in it until the very end, until they forgot how to play basketball and they choked the game away. They were right there. They were right there. And this team is playing with great confidence going into March. They had a very great month of February. It's about playing your best basketball in time for the postseason. And that's exactly where this team is trending. Now, of course, if Shamori Pons will be on the sidelines, then they are not going to be as good as they could be, and they would definitely lose to Xavier. 
But if Shamori Ponce is healthy, I think this team that narrowly lost to Xavier at Cintas and at home will finally get over the hump and upset the Musketeers in what's basically a home game for them, catch them sleeping on Thursday morning in that 12 p.m. matinee. I fully believe it, Chris. Chris, I, I thought about this over and over again, and I honestly think that if Shamori Pods is healthy and will play, I know he just returned to practice for the first time since sustaining that abdominal injury yesterday morning, but if he is healthy, the Red Storm will upset the Musketeers. Hot take central. So then I'm guessing to follow that up, you're going with Creighton Villanova or St. John Seton Hall, and then we'll have a whole tri-state area Big East final. Well, I have Creighton beating Providence because I feel that the star power of Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas is too great, and the way that Kyrie Thomas just locks down on guards is something that can't be dismissed. Like, yeah, you can make an argument that, you know, there are other great defensive players, but I think he will make mincemeat out of Jalen Lindsey or Kyron Cartwright. And just the way that both teams are structured, just like you said, Providence, they're a little more balanced. They like to spread the wealth between Bullock and Lindsey and Cartwright and Diallo and some of the other guys. But Creighton has that guy that can just carry them over the top in Marcus Foster. And Kyrie Thomas, too. What he does on offense and scoring-wise can't be discounted either. He's become a great two-way player, just like how Mikhail Bridges took that jump on the offensive side of the court. And just looking at some of the role players around them, Jacob Epperson's just getting better with each game. And he'll be a great, he'll put up a great fight against Nate Watson, the other young center that Providence has going for them. Then you have some veterans like Toby Hegner and a couple of the other guys. So I think Creighton will beat Providence. But then as we look onto the other side of the bracket, yeah, Villanova should take care of whoever it is, whether it's DePaul, Marquette. Obviously, you want to see DePaul, but I think it'll be Marquette. Marquette's a sneaky team because they come into this tournament 99 in the Big East which is tied with Butler, but unfortunately due to tiebreaker rules, they're on the outside looking in for that group of six that just got a bye to the quarterfinals. So the Marquette Golden Eagles are going to have to work for that first game, but I think they make it through to Paul no problem. Villanova, obviously, Marquette's got the type of players that if Andrew Rousey and Marcus Howard go off, and maybe it could be one of those games where you could play whatever defense you want, but they're just not going to miss. And that's going to be frustrating to play against. But I think Villanova should be able to take down the Golden Eagles and advance to the semis. And then with Seton Hall, Butler, Seton Hall's won both meetings against the Bulldogs. Yeah, they had senior night going for them. But if Desi Rodriguez is back, which I think he will be, this should be a no contest. And I think they should beat Butler. Butler is another one of those teams that when they're outside of Hinkle Fieldhouse or when they're outside of their home arena, not looking as hot, not looking as good. And I think that Seton Hall will take care of them. So you'll have Villanova Seton Hall in one end and then St. John's at Creighton. From there, I think you got to obviously say Creighton's going to win. And I think we're getting a rematch of last year's championship game with Villanova beating the Pirates in another close game. I'm probably not going to drink coffee because the last time I drank coffee in a very close game, it was the Kansas game in the Elite Eight, and my heart was racing through the roof. I honestly thought it was going to race out of my body. 
because of all the caffeine I was injecting into it, coupled with the stress from the game. So I will not bring co- I will not be drinking coffee for that game. But I think Villanova will beat Seton Hall, and then they will beat Creighton and cut down those nets, and we'll get another nice giant 2018 Big East tournament champion signed to hold, and our third conference tournament trophy in four years. So after it sounded like the world was falling, after Wednesday night, we are both picking Villanova to win the Big East pretty pretty handily too, I would say. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I will say is that it was a tough road stretch. Four out of five games on the road. We split the series, which I'd say wasn't best case or worst case scenario, but it was it was solid enough to come out of those road games going two for two. I mean, two for four in some of the toughest environments around the conference. But if there's one thing that shouldn't be discounted, it's the amount of experience that Villanova has and the talent that it has. I know going into this season, I believe in the preseason staff predictions that we all gave to start out the year, I think I said Villanova was going to lose in the conference championship game. But as I've looked into it a little bit more, the experience that they have outside of the newcomers, there is not a single player on this roster that knows what it's like to lose before a Big East championship game. Everyone has had the experience of making it to the finals, and that's something you can't discount. But then we also, on top of that, we have six different players averaging at least 10 points per game, and that's something that no other Big East conference team can boast or brag about. And that's something that no other Jay Wright era team has ever had on its squads. So this this is a team that has experience, has talent, has a variety of weapons that I think make them a pretty good bet for another conference tournament title. And we will be locking in that one seed, hopefully come Saturday night. Yeah, I never I never looked at it like that. I it's a great point you bring up, and I think that's kind of why subconsciously I feel so confident in this team to to win this whole tournament. The way Jay coaches in the Big East tournament, it's it, it's like on another level. I feel that he really gets his guys ready. I feel he gets these teams ready for this type of battle, this this type of grind for the next three days, and I think he does a great job in preparing them. So I think we got some great leaders on this team. Like you said, they all, all they know is at least a Big East championship berth. So I'm looking forward to it. I really hope we get that one-two matchup. I know you don't see it happening. I hope we see, I get to see it happen. So I really want to go Saturday. And also, first time we'll be uh, we'll be seeing Villanova playing quarterfinals at night instead of the bottom half of the bracket. You got the seven o'clock game on Thursday, and then if they end up winning that, which they should, the Friday game's at nine thirty, I believe. So two late starts for Villanova as opposed to the uh, the usual twelve o'clock, uh, seven o'clock uh, Thursday Friday combo there. Yeah, it'll be nice. You won't have to risk getting yelled at by your boss for sneaking, streaming the game while you're at work in the office. It's at prime time. You'll get to enjoy it nicely. And hopefully there'll be a pretty good crowd there because of the time slot. Because as we know, those daytime games can be so dead. So dead. Yeah, even last year with the uh, Villanova-St. John's game, oh, that was that is anything. And that was between St. John's, who's their home arena, and Villanova was probably the biggest fan base out of every team in the Big East right now, at least near Madison Square Garden. So yeah, that was uh, that was really weird, and it's 
maybe we'll actually get some uh, more fanfare in, in the later games and maybe it'll be able to help Villanova's spear along and whatever. Totally. And I'm looking forward to the semifinals because that's when the atmosphere is just totally electric and that's when it starts to get really fun. I do see Seton Hall advancing to the semis and I think Villanova will beat them. But that doesn't mean I'm not scared. I am totally scared of that matchup. I don't like playing Seton Hall, especially when it comes to the Big East tournament. It's always a nail-biter. And just the way that core four plays of Kadeen Carrington, Angel Delgado, Miles Powell, and if most likely Desi Rodriguez is healthy, that's just such a scary, scary, scary team that they have going there. And they have just as much as experience as we do. Maybe not so much, you know, being year-in, year-out conference championship contender, but those seniors have been through a lot, and they hate Villanova. And I already know that Angel Delgado is pissed off, that he has not, he was not a first-team All-Big East selection. He responded on Twitter, I think, four different times that day that all conference teams were released. I'm, I'm already ready for the wrath. I can't wait. Well, no, that's a lie. I... Kopi doesn't do this, but I can totally see him having a nice 2020 game against Villanova because he's so angry. It's very possible, but hey, they got to go through Butler first. You never know. If, if Butler gets hot, my ball, Paulie Jorgensen, uh, can find his range like he did against Villanova. Eh, it might be a long day for the Pirates. You, you, you never know. And I think that's the beauty of this tournament. The Big East, it's one hell of a uh, competitive conference. And it was so competitive <laughs> that I don't know if you saw this floating around. But apparently if they had Mark catches beaten DePaul, like the one time they lost to him, they would have been the three seed this year. So the seven seed was one win away. I mean, obviously you can look at this like for pretty much any team. But the fact that it's DePaul, I feel like it's most tangible, especially when with Marquette, that if they had beaten DePaul, they'd be a three seed. And that's how just interchangeable these teams are in the middle of the pack. Shows how great this conference is, how, how competitive this conference is. And I really look forward to these quarterfinal and semifinal games because it's probably the best basketball we get to see out of the Big East. And then hopefully we'll get the the granddaddy of them all with the one versus two in the championship on Saturday. That's a great point about Marquette. And I think you can say that about pretty much the seeds three through six and Marquette also included as a seven. But Mm -hmm. coming into that final week of the regular season, we had a four-way tie. And... While a lot of those teams are pretty much in the same ballpark, unfortunately, there are seeds. So pretty much everyone from three to seven, they can make some noise. They can make some noise, and that's something you shouldn't ignore just because they are a five or a six or a seven. But that's something to definitely look out for. Yeah, this league has gotten very competitive, one through sevens in it. And I guess with the way that St. John's is playing, you want to play your best basketball coming into March, and that's exactly where they are. If Samora Pons is healthy, you, they can make a case as the eight seed. Or are they the – no, they are the eight. They are the eight. Regardless, they're in that eight-nine matchup. So, yeah, anyone can pretty much make noise. You never know what can happen. We, we have now dipped our feet completely into the water of March Madness. And in about a week, we'll be diving into it head first. I'm looking forward to this week. I will be covering for Big East Coast Bias. I'll be covering all nine games. Catherine Ryan will be repping VU Hoops. She'll be there following the Cats, and it's going to be a good time. She was there last year from what I heard. Did a good job of that for covering for the site. 
This will be my first year back in the press box. Hopefully courtside. Crossing my fingers for when I see that Simi chart. But this will be my first year back as media for the Big East tournament after sitting out last year to go as a fan. Covered it two years straight before then. I'm looking forward to being back at the Garden. It's going to be a fun week. This is honestly one of my favorite weeks of the year. And you know what? Now that I thought about it, because we're not going to be here on Thursday, I will say if you if we do drop an episode on Thursday or Friday morning, it's because something really bad happened that <laughs> it required us to break our promise of not producing an episode. So hopefully we don't hear anything then. So no news is good news. But now that I think about it, we'll, we'll be back next Tuesday. Selection Sunday. We're already going to be talking about that, too. So it's going to be oh, a yeah. fun time. Can't wait to rip the NCAA on their adjusted S-curve, when whatever crap we get as our 8-9 matchup if we're a 1 or wherever, if we're in the West region as a 2 seed because you can just totally see that happening. Oh, ripping the selection committee is what we do best. I'm already waiting for the inevitable, oh, well, Purdue lost his Big Ten tournament? Oh, okay. Let's make them the four seed in Villanova's bracket. <laughs> well, well, according to Joe Nardi, NC State is is our nine seed currently. So I can't can't wait for that. Oh, the, the madness that will ensue if NC State's in our uh, in Villanova's region as an eight nine matchup. Oh boy, oh boy. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Please subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podomatic, or Google Play if you haven't done so already. Always remember to check back at viewhoops.com. We will have all your goods from Big East Tournament to Selection Sunday. Check back, check off, and we're going to have the previews, the recaps, some features, hopefully, depending on how we do. So definitely check back throughout the week as this tournament unfolds. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun four days, and I cannot wait for it to begin. Also, follow the site, at Hoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at the Stands Man on Twitter. Nova Nation, I hope you all get to enjoy this week. It's going to be a fun time. Hopefully we walk out of the garden with another trophy in our hands. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Hopefully we can cut down those nets, and then we'll be coming in. Selection Sunday, the big dance. Oh, man, I can't wait.